Okay, it looks like everybody is out now. We're ready to go. For our first message today, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Art Williams and is entitled, Oh, You're Putting Me On. Oh, you're putting me on. You gotta be putting me on. We all know what that statement is. We've heard it in our society. It's in a response to something that is just outrageous, perhaps unbelievable. Perhaps it's something that happened in society or in the news. And we respond that way. Sometimes we respond that way because we don't believe the person and indeed he shouldn't be believed. But it's, this, it's, this, it's a phrase that's very common in our society, a statement of exclamation. But before that phrase was popular, there was another one, putting on the Ritz. You ever heard of that one, haven't you? Putting on the Ritz, that's where you get all decked out and put on your tuxedo and you go out to the most lavish place, expensive place, maybe you rent a tux. Uh, uh, a limo and you go out in that and you really do the town up and do something that you normally would never be able to do but you save up your money and you go out and you splurge. The feast kind of, the instructions for the Feast of Tabernacles kind of alludes to that where it says go out and spend your money on whatever your heart desires. But there's another way of putting me on and it's scriptural and it's found in Galatians 3.27. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And that phrase has been bouncing around in my mind for quite a while as to what that exactly means, put on Christ. We, we talk also in our society about putting somebody on, which means you're just jesting with them, you're telling them a story that isn't even true, and you're leading them down the merry path. That's another application of putting somebody on in our society. But this is different. If you've been baptized into Christ, you have, past tense, put on Christ. And if we continue in over in Romans 13 and 14, it says in Romans 13, starting, let us walk honestly as is in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, but not in strife, and envying. And notice the first words before we go on to verse 14. It says, walk honestly. The degree to, what, to which we can adhere to the ideal that Jesus has given us. And the, uh, the degree to which we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say, honestly to ourselves, how do I measure up? And it's a hard thing to do because our heart is deceitful above all things, and we can lie very easily to ourselves about who we are, what we are, why we're doing things, and why we do them the way we do them. So walking honestly is part of putting on Christ. And continuing in verse 14, it says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So putting on Christ... The word put on, it means to be clothed with. In both Galatians 3 and here in Romans 14, it's the same word. To be clothed with. So that's like getting dressed. In the morning you get dressed and you put certain 
aspects of clothing on. Maybe you put a hat on, like the armor of God. You put a helmet on to protect your head. Today we put maybe a winter coat on to keep our head warm. We put a sweater on to keep our body, our chest warm. Breastplate of faith, like putting on the armor of God. We put shoes on so we can walk down the path of life. The path that we'll talk about a little bit more here in a minute. But the ultimate in getting dressed is the process of getting fitted for your wedding day. That dress is fine linen, white, clean, and pure. And it is the righteousness of the saints. In Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And that's the dressing that we're seeking. That's what we're doing when we're putting on Christ. Jesus said the great commandment is that you should love the Lord your God, your heart, with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. Actually, what he said was with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And heart is what I want to focus on. Whether he listed them in the order of priority or importance, I don't know. But we're going to find out. The heart is very influential in the decisions that we make in life. We might want to think that our brain is the center of our conscious thought, our cognitive analysis. But we're going to see as we go through scriptures, they may imply something other because the issues of life are from the heart, not from the mind. So let's look at some of the characteristics of the heart. Some of those characteristics in the scriptures that we're going to uh, go through are intentions, will, faith, your focus of your purpose, internalizing God's word, the soundness of your mind, keeping of the faith, the process of thinking is a function of your heart, which is amazing. It has to do with commitment, and it has to do with the applications of the scriptures. So let's begin in Psalm 7, verse 9. Psalm 7 and verse 9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tries the hearts in the reins. Tries the hearts in the reins. A little story I'm going to tell you about trying the reins here in a little bit. In, in, in chapter 26, verse 2 of the book of Psalms, chapter 26, verse 2, again, he talks about trying the hearts and the reins. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. We all know about trying the reins of a horse. You know, you pull, pull on this way, see if he goes that way. Pull on this way, see if he goes that way. 
Sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. I remember we went out horseback riding. I don't remember if it was at the feast or not. We went out horseback riding, and this horse, I, in, in our group, one of the people, all this horse wanted to do was go back to the stable. <laughs> and every, every time we came to this path that went back, he was going back to the stable. He had no, I don't need this person on my back. And he wasn't listening to anybody pulling his reins or anything else. The only time he got back on the path was when the, the corral master came over and took the whip out and gave him a little taste of the whip. And he said, all right, I'll go but Psalm 139.23, Psalm 139, verse 20, Search me, O Lord, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Sometimes our thoughts over, overpower our heart, and other times our heart overpowers our thoughts. Attributes, intentions, Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the words of God is quick and powerful and sharper than the two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Sometimes we have knee-jerk reactions in life to things. Things happen and we have this knee-jerk reaction and it comes maybe boiling over we don't want it to maybe we wished it didn't later but that might be revealing some of the intents of our hearts that have yet to be changed but the, f the flesh that's still in our hearts and the carnality that's still in our hearts and, and illustrates the depth of conversion and why we need Jesus all the more in Ephesians 6.6 6, Ephesians 6, 6, another attribute. Not with eye service as man-pleasers, or we could substitute the word politicians, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now sometimes, especially for babes in Christ, we have to start out kind of, a, of an approach to the letter of the law. We don't understand the full spiritual impact of doing something. But we continually doing it year after year after year. And then one day, bingo, the lights come on and say, now I got it. Now I understand what he's talking about. And faith, the attributes of faith in Ephesians 3.17. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, By faith, God dwells in your heart. Sometimes we can't see that. Sometimes we overpower, as I mentioned earlier. I'm a very goal-oriented, goal and results-oriented type person, and I, if I, and I, I tend to, if not cognizantly, then subconsciously, I lay out my, I get my final goal, and I have my steps or my objectives to getting there. And if I start to get impeded by these objectives, I lose interest and lose focus on getting to that goal pretty quickly. And you know, I could never be an evangelist because I think, can you imagine what Paul went through? He's out there spreading the word and he gets very few people that, that are responding. People want to kill him because he's wanting to, to say what God told him to say. And he gets a few here, and he gets a few there, and he travels from this city to that city, and they chase him from this city to that city. 
you know, and you see where he, he writes some of his letters, and re, I rejoice over you that, that you're hearing and that you're believing. And that's entirely different from being a CEO in the business world today, and you go out and you brag how many cell phones we, we sold in the last quarter and how many billions of dollars we made. You can get this tangible return right away. And Romans 10.10, 10, another scripture on the heart and faith. Romans 10.10, 10, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the heart, not the mind, with the heart. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Well, believing with your heart unto righteousness. And then there's another one on focus, Luke 12, 34. Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's pretty easy to, to ascertain, isn't it? What you value, your heart's going to be wrapped around in that. You know, you, you, you meet the love of your life. You, the, the girl of your dreams comes true. You meet her one day, and it's like, Wow. She's treasured, highly treasured. Some people treasure money. Our heart needs to be with Christ and God the Father. And we need to be treasuring their goals, their objectives, and what they have planned for us in the kingdom of God. And continuing with purpose of heart. Psalm 119.11. Psalm 119.11. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. To have the word internalized inside of you, in your heart of hearts. You don't cognizantly have to sit there and page through letters of the law to find out, am I doing what's right? Because they're, in, they're in, inherent within you through the Spirit of God. The soundness of mind, Psalm 119, verse 80. Let my heart be sound in your statutes, that I be not ashamed. All of these are, are so simple to read and understand, but sometimes they're very easy to lose sight of. Very easy. Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life aren't determined here. The issue of life are determined here. I mentioned the, the one that's most obvious in, in my life, you meet the girl of your dreams. And like, no other girl matters. You get the job of your, of your dreams, no other job matters. But what happens when you lose that? If you give your heart in its totality to that entity, what happens if it goes away and you get divorced or you lose your job and they fire you? It's devastating. Keep your heart. Give it to God. Keep your heart. Give it to God the Father. Don't give it to the physical. Proverbs 23.7. Proverbs 23.7. As he thinks in his heart, so he is. And that's the only part of it I really, well, that's the address of it. Eat and drink, so he, he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. 
only for the first part is what I'm really interested in. For as he thinks in his heart, so he's, I thought we, I thought we thought with our head, our brain, our mind. Here it says, as you think in your heart. We know what he's talking about, don't we? He's, there's things that are in your heart that are, uh, that, are, that are not analytical. They're emotional. They involve sincerity, love, joy, all of the emotions, dedication. All of those intangible qualities as you think in your heart. And we know about the potter and clay because this is all part of the, the process of him molding the clay, the pot, him, the potter, molding the clay into what he wants us to become. And he tries the reins to see what paths we'll take. What, and he'll direct the steps. And sometimes he gives us that option. And other times he's not giving us options. He may be pulling on those reins. You've all heard the, hor the old horse story, haven't you? From, oh, I don't know, it's a real, real, real old story. You know, maybe, I'm not saying it's factual, okay? It's one of those real, real old stories. Every Friday, the family would hook the stallion up to the, the buckboard, and they'd go into town to replenish the food that they, they, they used during the week. And it was just another typical Friday morning. Hitches up the horse, and the family hooks on the buckboard, and off they go. And on the way to town, there's a fork in the road. You go to the left or you go to the right. You, you go, to go to town, you always go to the right. And for years, they, you didn't have to pull in the reins for this horse. He knew to go to the right. But this day was different because the horse was thinking in his heart. He had some other objectives. And so he starts to veer to the left. So the man tugs a little bit on the reins to the right. And the horse continues to the left. He tugs a little harder on the reins to the right. And the horse turns his head a little bit, but keeps on heading towards the left. Well, finally, he tugs really hard on the reins. The horse stops, turns around, and says, Leave me alone! Don't bug me, man! i got to go down to the south pasture and see that golden palomino mare down there. And the man is kind of shocked. A horse had never talked to him before, you know. Well, this was quite an amazing day. After the man recovered from the shock, he whips the, the reins again, the horse starts to the right. He gets the whip out and pulls on the reins to the right, and goes, all right, you don't have to get nasty about it, we'll go to town. And they go to town. But when I get back, I'm going to the south pasture. You know, there's... There's a, there's a story in Acts, verses 1 through 4. Acts 1 through 4. It's, it, it's referring to the persecution brought on the church by Paul. And those that study such things tell us that this event happened about eight years after the Lord's sacrifice. And the interesting thing that they say in the scripture here is that It was a time of great persecution against the church, which was in Jerusalem. And so they all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria. And continuing down in verse 4, it says, Therefore they were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. 
Was the persecution brought on because they weren't listening to the reins to do the commission, to take the commission, to take the word to the world, God, take the gospel to the world? Was the purpose of the persecution to scatter them, to get them to spread the gospel? I don't know. Could be. It's a question maybe we can ask God one day if whether, whether that uh, had any, if that was pulling on the reins to get them to get out of Jerusalem, to get scattered abroad and start preaching the word. In Proverbs 16, and I spent a lot of time in Proverbs 16, it says a lot about the hearts and the plans of man. 16.1, the plans of the heart belong to man. Plans of the heart belong to man. That implies that you can, you can put into your heart, you can program your heart that what, in the direction that you'd like it to go. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The heart, in, in verse 9 of chapter 16, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So if you invite God into your life, the plans of your heart, the journey that you take and the roads ahead of you can be approved by him. And he will establish your steps so that as you're going along, you're not going to step in a mud puddle. You're not going to misstep and fall and trip over and roll into the ditch. There's not going to be a boulder that falls down off of the... And if it does, if it does, there's probably a reason for it. You may not know what the reason is. It may not even be directly for you. It may be for the opportunity of that Samaritan that's coming down the road behind you to learn something. Continuing in verse 21 of chapter 16, it says, The wise of heart is called discerning. The wise of heart is called discerning. We should discerning our, discern our hearts, and sometimes it's hard to do. But look at how our heart thinks. All these attributes, purposes, intentions of the heart align all of them with putting on Christ, putting on the clean linen to be at your wedding feast. There's a warning given to the Laodicean church and it's interesting because that warning has nothing to do with law keeping or keeping of the feasts or, or any of that. It's simply being hot or cold and they are neither. We need to be hot. To be hot is to seek to put on Christ so we don't have to be tested to see or whether or not we do love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Perhaps one of the greatest threats to Christianity today are the diversions that our society subtly places into our daily lives, our distractions, the magnitude of things that people have to deal with today because of the complexity of our society, the multitasks that we have to do wherein decades before there were multiple hats that did those jobs. 
Paul stated that he never stopped running the race. He never felt that he had apprehended. He didn't slow up 10 yards before the finish line. He ran full speed through the finish line. Strive with your heart, all your heart, to get to the finish line. Strive with purpose. Strive with dedication. Strive with focus. Strive with will. Strive with determination. Strive with faith to be fitted for that wedding garment of fine linen, clean and white. The righteousness of the saints, which is acquired through putting on the Lord Jesus Christ.